630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. The Boxing Day preview is on now at Leon's. Save $400 on a Simmons Deep Sleep Queen mattress. Now only $298. Leon's Boxing Day preview is on now. Visit Leon's or Leon's.ca for details. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Off the face, off to Brassois' right-hand side. Curled in front, stolen away by Latestu. I knew there was nine seconds, uh, you know, and the pressure... Just force runs into a bad play. I think familiarity with the building, knowing where the clock was to see that I had time, you know, it was actually at a pretty nice level lower the cannon is. So I could see that I had four seconds when I got to the blue that I knew I had time to get a shot off. He's going to have a short-handed breakaway. Two seconds to go. I could hear Cass. He was skating with me. He was counting me down. It was four, <laughs> three, two. So I, I had a, a lot of help on that one. That was funny. Yeah, I gave a look at the scoreboard and was shouting at him, uh, five, four, three. So I don't know if it helped him at all. Rich shot score! Three-tenths of a second left on the clock. And Latestu buries a shorty. Five, nothing, Edmonton. Those are the ingredients for the buzzer beater last night in Columbus. Your Oilers update for Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day. Nisku Ford above expectations. Mark Letestu, his second shorthanded goal of the season, helping the Oilers route Columbus 7-2. And I loved how he told you what was going through his mind, where he was looking at the clock as he broke in. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Former NHL goaltender Kelly Rudy joins us every week on the show. Joe Kelly, how's it going? Oh, fantastic, Reed. How about yourself? I'm doing great. How much did you uh, like hearing that from Latestu and Cassian there about watching the clock? Even Latestu saying it helped that he used to have his home rink in Columbus and he knew where the, the time was displayed at the end of the rink. I thought that was really cool. Oh, that was uh, crazy cool. That was incredible insight. Uh, you rarely ever hear of a player talk about that sort of uh, insight or knowledge or recognition of knowing the building. And I, I just thought that was amazing. That kind of tells you why he's still around in the league, because there are more talented guys, but he's a hard worker. He thinks the game really, really well. And in that case, um, that's one of the most insightful things I've ever heard of a guy saying that he knew where the cannon was, he knew where the time clock was in the building, how to be aware of it, when he stole the puck, when he's at the other blue line, all those sorts of things. Uh, that was just amazing to me to hear him go through that. Um, I think that it also, that goal, although it was somewhat important because it basically solidified the game, it wasn't the deal breaker. I think the, the Oilers were so good last night, but that just tells you how in tune they, they were last night also. When you're, when you're a goaltender, I mean, look, I, I know... If, if you're an NHL goaltender, you're always ready. You know everything's dangerous. But if you're on the power play with a face-off in the other end of the rink with nine seconds left in the period, you can't be thinking, oh, I'm going to be facing a breakaway in six seconds. Not usually, but you would be surprised how the brain of a goalie works. You do 
sort of prepare for every situation, and maybe that was the guidance of Al Arbor, that you always expect the unexpected. So I don't know if I always had that or it wasn't until I got to the Islanders and hearing Al preach over and over and over again uh, about those sort of situations. You know, to your point, though, Reed, uh, not everybody is always ready all the time when they should be. So I'm going to go back to uh, Sunday night. Um Who's playing? Minnesota and San Jose are playing in overtime. Dylan DeMello has the puck in his own zone. He loses it, which is a big mistake. But if you watch Martin Jones, he was not even prepared whatsoever. It's the easiest goal that Niederreiter ever scored. And, and my point being, I'm thinking of doing something on Saturday night about that. And not to reprimand Martin Jones, just to say, just a little reminder that you always have to be prepared because you don't know what happens, what mistake might happen in front of you. And the reason it was so uh, dear to me is because I was going through a phase like that where I think I was becoming a little bit too comfortable. And my goalie partner at the time, Dan Burstune, when we were in L.A., he kind of reprimanded me, took me aside and looked me right in the eye and kind of grabbed my arm and said, Kelly, you're getting really uh, complacent and uh, loose when the puck is in our own zone and our defense and have the puck. He said, you have to be ready all the time in the puck clears until the puck clears the zone. So that was a real good point for me to to understand at the time. Well, and the Oilers have scored goals on consecutive Saturdays where they stole the puck from the goaltender behind the net. They did it to Rich against uh, right. the Flames, and Strom yep. knocked down that price clearing attempt. And uh, you know, Rob thought Price was a little nonchalant in getting back in on Saturday, and Kara tucked it in. Yeah, same, absolutely. Although. Uh, I, I w- would agree with Rob about Price. That is sort of the way that Price expects or uh, operates under those circumstances. I will say this, though. So Strom to knock that out of the air from about five feet away from where Price shot, it was pretty remarkable. So I think that given that situation, I'm sure Price is saying there's not a chance in the world that this guy's going to knock this out of the air. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. You mentioned Latestu, uh, you know, how he's been able to make a career for himself. And the Oilers have used him on shootouts. He has a, a above-average shootout percentage for his career. And I know even me, and, and, you know, I've known Mark a long time, so I've followed his career, but even I wasn't aware how good he was in shootouts till the Oilers started using him. And, uh, you know, he's he's when he gets a breakaway, he, he often cashes in. I know I've asked you in the past, Kelly, about star players you found tough on breakaways. Was there an unsung guy or a grinder that uh, was actually a, a breakaway specialist or gave you fits when he was in alone? Well, I can tell you, uh, I yes, and his name is Tony Granado. So I played against him and I played with him. So when I played against him, I was on the island uh, and he was playing for the Rangers and we ended up training for him. Uh, when I was on the Kings, but he had an incredibly great touch around the net, especially on breakaways. He was money in the bank. Every time he had a breakaway, to me, it was like we had a really good chance to score. So uh, I recall one time uh, we were playing Pittsburgh at home in overtime, and Tony, of course, had the breakaway. We ended up winning 2-1, and I just thought, I mean, that release right there tells you everything. And he was a grinder as well, underrated player. He is one of my favorite players that I ever played with, for sure. Kelly, Laurent Brassois had that awful third period in Calgary. On the road trip, he stopped 68 of 73 shots. Do you think he's settled down? What do you see? 
yeah, I was very impressed with the way he rebounded from that third period in Calgary. And I was also impressed with the way in which he addressed it after saying, I can't remember exactly what he said. but He, I said, he, he said he was playing the score. He said he yeah. lost focus and was playing focus. the score. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I thought that was pretty, uh, I don't know, uh, brave of him to a certain degree to admit to people uh, that that was a shortcoming in that game. Most guys would kind of hide from that. Uh, so I thought that was a real important moment. Now, moving forward, I didn't know how he was going to react. I didn't know if that was going to be a good thing or a bad thing. But he uh, rebounded really nicely. He's looked nice and calm. I'm a little bit concerned about some of the shorthanded goals that they're scoring. Again, another one, and it was very similar to a couple that he gave up to Calgary uh, a while ago. Um, those got to be tidied up. Uh, those aren't incredibly great shots. It's not as though it's going into the very top part of the net. And it's a laser beam. I think those ones uh, he's going to have to work on a little bit. But I think the most important thing is he bounced back mentally, and that's the key for a goalie. Yeah, I thought of you on that second goal last night because we talked about that with Talbot too. Shots coming from along the boards, and they get by the goalie short side, and and they're down sometimes before the shot is taken. But you explained a lot of guys. uh, A lot of guys do that. All right, Kelly. It's December. What is it? December thirteenth. 12 yep. days away from Christmas. Off sports topic question. Worst Christmas gift you've ever received? Okay, I can go there tonight, uh, Reed, because I'm going to a book signing in South Calgary, and normally my wife goes with me, but she's not with me tonight. <laughs> so she gets me these ugly sweaters every year, and I don't have the heart to tell her. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Reed. Your your listeners are probably aghast. My wife is sitting right here. So That's awesome. Like that ever That's great. I thought <laughs> I'd just go in a different direction there. But, no, you know what? We're the, Our family's amazing for Christmas. We have the best uh, time, best gifts. I, I can't ever say that I received one uh, ever bad. Even my wife, we're, I was talking to her this afternoon about, do you ever remember a bad gift I got her? And she goes, no. And I then she goes, did you ever remember one as a kid? And I can't. My mom and dad always got me the best. You know, we always had those stocking stuffers, like most families. And do you remember, Reed, you're younger than I. I don't know if they still call them those, the dinky toys, the little... Oh, yeah, little cars and stuff. Cars. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, used I used to get, to get those. those. Oh, my God, I love those. So I have the best of uh, Christmas memories. And and your your listeners don't have to be worried that my wife is going to be serving me papers after selling her... <laughs> down the river or something, throw her under the bus. You know, I used to have those little toy cars uh, when we grew up north of Evansburg, and our kitchen floor, I think it was some kind of laminate or something, but it had like these kind of grid lines on it, and I would play it with the cars, and I'd use those grid lines as streets, but then I got to the point of, of just leaving them out overnight and telling my parents that they couldn't touch them. Because because oh, yeah. they were parked, I think yeah, yeah. I think they indulged me the first couple nights, and then I was I was told they should probably be put away. But, oh yeah. yeah, same with me. We did that too. We played, you know, like you're driving the the public bus or whatever, and doing all those things. And then Hot Wheels came along, and so that was a game changer. Nice. Well, we'll have to get into that story next week, Kelly. Glad the book is doing well. Uh, have the have fun at the signing tonight, and uh, yeah, maybe take your wife for uh, a Dairy Queen or something nice, better than a flu shot after. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Reed. Talk to you soon. Bye. That's Kelly Rudy uh, checking in. If you didn't get that last reference, we had Kelly on five or six weeks ago, and it's like, how are you doing, Kelly? And he goes, Oh, good. I, my wife and I are just going to get our flu shots. So that, that that's date night for. 
Kelly Rudy and his wife. This is Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. The Oilers uh, are looking better. You'll hear some comments from uh, from Davidson, from McClellan, a little bit from Cassian as we move along tonight. You can also chime in at 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. I'm going to let you know about an upcoming franchise milestone for the Oilers when we get back. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Of course, the Eskimos re-signing running back C.J. Gable yesterday. Last week, they locked up kicker Sean White. Sean White will join us later on tonight. It is 621. Really appreciate you tuning in this evening. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. NHL tonight, Bruins and Red Wings scoreless early on. Halfway through the game, Dallas crushing the Islanders. It is 4-0. Tyler Pitlick has scored his fourth of the season. Jamie Benn has his 13th. Rangers and Senators, 1-1. 12 minutes left in the second period. Tough go for the Senators lately. Still to come tonight, the Predators at the Canucks. Nashville's here tomorrow to play your Oilers. We have it on 6.30, Chad. 5.30 for the face-off show. The game will start at 7. Brandon Dubinsky of the Columbus Blue Jackets will be out six to eight weeks with a fractured orbital bone. Injured in a fight last night with the Oilers' Zach Cassian. Dubinsky wins the faceoff, snapped out to the point, a blast Savard, and a save made by Brassois. We're going to have a fight here, and pounding away early is Zach Cassian as he tried to line up Brandon Dubinsky. Came together, dropped the gloves, with a fight. Pretty simple, straightforward. You guys see it uh, for many years. Dubinsky's shaking up, and he'll go underneath here. They both have squared up. That's a fair yeah. fight. He just and caught Cassian him. Cassian caught him with a left hook. Obviously, when it's 7-2, uh, you don't need guys running around at your star guys, and um, he obliged. All right, so Cassian wasn't overly talkative about the uh, fight today, but he did say you got guys running around, which Dubinsky was doing, and Cassian handled him and injured him. Oilers won at 7-2. So something uh, I want to get into here because a caller phoned in last night and and brought up this point. So I I double-checked it and uh, I looked into this a little deeper today. And this is a total uh, frivolous thing, but it it will be a milestone that I think will be at least recognized to some extent. And it'll be one of those trivia questions at some point down the road. Kellen Kennedy, I don't don't know if you remember this last night. We had the gentleman phone in and say that the the, uh, Oilers are at 9,995 franchise goals. Right, yes. So I quickly double-checked the total in the media guide, added up to to this year, and and that's correct. But then I thought, wait a minute, what about shootout goals. Ah, So okay. today I talked to uh, some Oilers uh, stats people, talked to uh, NHL stats. So here's the deal. That, that is an accurate number, 9,995 goals. Since the shootout came into play in 05-06, the Oilers have 65 shootout wins. Now, as you know, Kellen, mm. if a game is tied 4-4 and it goes to a shootout, the winning team will win the game 5-4, regardless of how many goals are scored in the shootout. We all, we all know that. The score will be recorded as 5-4. The t- winning team will get credit for a goals four in the stats, but no player will get a goal, right? So if a team, uh, if a team had 250 goals four in a season, right, 
but won 10 games in a shootout, if you added up all the individual player stats, it would come to 240 because they would have 10 shootout wins where no one got credit for a goal. Right. So I, so I, I talked to someone with NHL stats, and I said, does the NHL consider the Oilers five goals away from 10,000, or do they consider them 70 goals away? the 65 shootout goals plus the five they have to actually score. And the NHL said, no, 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 they are five away. Those those shootout winning goals still count as franchise goals, even though no individual player gets credit for them. So it's very likely that either tomorrow against Nashville or Saturday in Minnesota, the Oilers will get their 10,000th franchise goal, right? But then I, I said to the, the NHL stats person, what if the Oilers beat Nashville 5-4 in a shootout? They will get to 10,000 goals, but no one will get credit for goal number 10,000, right? Because it'll be a team goal in the shootout. And the NHL stats person says, well, in that case, whoever gets the game-deciding goal in the shootout should be recognized as the person who got goal number 10,000 even though they technically wouldn't get credit for it in their own goal stats. Do you understand what I'm saying, Kellen, or have I totally ruined hockey for you? Yes, I understand 100%. And I've ruined hockey for you, both. Oh, probably, yeah. <laughs> so so that's just kind of a quirky thing. So yeah. if the Oilers were to win 5-4 in a shootout tomorrow, they would have achieved 10,000 franchise goals, and I guess the, the trivia question would have to be which player was responsible for Goal number 10,000 in Oilers franchise history. Not scored it because the shootout goal doesn't actually count as a goal score, as, as a scored goal for that individual player. Anyway, that's the useless trivia segment of the night, but it is cool they are approaching that milestone. Hopefully, it's a goal that actually happens in gameplay that'll be recognized. It's as something 10, to watch for, for sure, next couple of games, you know? You can text 63630. Phone number 780-496-0063. You'll hear from Brandon Davidson, from Todd McClellan, and Kyler Yamamoto of the Spokane Chiefs, Oilers' first-round draft pick from this past summer. He's going to the U.S. World Junior Camp. Very good chance to make the team. We'll catch up with him. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, Oilers game tomorrow. Nashville in town. 5.30 face-off show game will begin at 7 here on 6.30 Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. If you want to reach out, you can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. It's funny today. I, I called somebody, Kellen. Yeah. I was trying to book a guest for Friday's show. Right. And I left someone a voicemail, and I said, uh, call me back, and I started giving the open line number oh. instead of my cell number. That's yeah. how often I say that number. Yeah, I'm a weirdo. That's uh, adding an extra step that you don't need in yes, the whole process. Yes, well, that would so. just wreck everything for everybody. Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, so at, at the Coliseum on Friday, mm-hmm. we got the final hockey game there. Ryan Smith, Spruce Grove Saints against the Okotoks Oilers. There, there are rumblings around the building. I'm going to be doing inside sports from the Coliseum. That's what that I've night. heard, yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. Unconfirmed reports. 
Now, is this the first time you set foot in the building since the Oilers left, or have no, you been there first? I was I was there just a few weeks ago because they had the uh, news conference announcing the U of A Nate faceoff game. Right there a okay. few weeks ago. Yeah, uh, I think it'll be the first time. It, I'll be there for with with a an event going on. Okay, because I didn't cover the curling. Mm-hmm. You haven't uh, been there for a concert or a anything, concert. Eh? I, I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I've been there a couple times, maybe since the weather's left. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I went there for rodeo, I want to say last year. Yeah, last year well, on the Saturday night for the for the CFR. Right. And that was, I think, the last time I've been in there. So. So yeah, it'll be neat. It'll be uh, neat. They're closing her down, and obviously, we also have more on the the combat sports story. We're going to catch up with Sonny Serene, who we had on on Friday, president of Unified MMA. He mm-hmm. had an event coming up on Friday at uh, at the Shaw, but now with the ban on combat sports, I I believe he's unfortunately out of luck. So we'll see if we can get an update from him about what's happening. I think he was trying to see if there was any way he could still get to stage his event, and I don't think there was. So we'll see where he's at, what he's going to do. This is pretty disappointing for the athletes who'd been training to compete in this and guys like Sonny and we talked about Friday and he said you know this is my job I'm not some fly by night you know back room type shady promoter who's uh, you know barely scraping things together he's been doing this for a while he's made a career out of it and uh, now as he's just getting it was trying to get a license and and, and it is usual that the, the formal license actually happens kind of in the final week so he was in the process of doing that, and then this comes out, and it doesn't look like he's going to be able to do it. But he will update us on that. The Oilers, a uh, few guys skated today, mostly just off-ice uh, meetings and workouts. And uh, i got to tell you, it has been very good so far for Brandon Davidson ever since he rejoined the Oilers. Claimed off waivers from the Montreal Canadiens about a week and a half ago. Didn't play last week at home against Philadelphia. Played the three games on the road trip, and he's feeling pretty good. I think knowing the system, uh, coming in here, knowing the guys, uh, that's really um, helped uh, get me off to a good start. I felt that uh, the first three games have gone uh, pretty well, and, and uh, I feel that uh, you know the team's kind of moving in the right direction too. So um, you know both of those are are great signs, and, and uh, I know just need to keep uh, pushing forward. You you seem so positive when you got here last week, and you said you couldn't stop smiling. Does that energy help with your play on the ice? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, attitude is everything. That's that old cliche you hear when you're when you're a youngster but uh, uh, it truly provides uh, a lot of energy I think uh, uh, picks a guy up and um, for what uh, the last six months has held for me I think uh, it's time to smile and it's time to uh, put my best foot forward. You've been playing with Johan OV2 I didn't know a lot about him before he became an Oiler. You're probably getting to know him. What's he like playing with? You know what? He's uh, He's been great to play with. Um, he's a hell of a skater. I think uh, he compliments me well, and and I do the same for him. So it's been a good start um, for sure. Uh, we're definitely uh, working with each other um, constantly, but uh, he's kind of got that same charisma and that same attitude uh, that I got, and uh, it seems to be uh, um, working well for us right now. You know, good for Brandon Davidson. Obviously was traded last year just before the deadline for David DeHarnay. I thought at the time Eric Greiber was playing better than Davidson and, it, and it, you know, David, Davidson had become the extra defenseman for the Oilers. Now coming back, Davidson has been playing better than Greiber. And uh, he certainly deserves his spot on, in the lineup. And Todd McClellan has taken notice. He should be thrilled. He's played three 
uh, darn good games. Um, he looks like he's excited to be here again. He uh, looks confident on the ice surface. He's made some good plays. Penalty kills improved with him uh, in the lineup. Um, so there's a lot of positives for him right now, and um, we need him to continue to, to grow his game and maintain that confidence level. So we don't expect to have Adam Larson. Well, Adam Larson won't be back tomorrow, but he's getting close to coming back. Andre Sekra, Christmas, New Year's range. He could hopefully back in the lineup. So I asked Todd McClellan the question today, are you at the uh, good problem to have stage where you're going to be picking between a bunch of defensemen in terms of who's playing? And Todd basically in a polite and roundabout way said let's not get ahead of ourselves because by the time guys are healthy other players could be injured and uh, not playing great so who knows what's going to happen somebody called in last night to Rob and I and said could Johan Ovitu play forward that you know that I I have heard that suggestion before it's it's pretty obviously uncommon for a player to change positions I mean, I guess Bufflin Burns would be high-profile NHLers that uh, it would come to mind for. Could Johan Ovitu play fourth-line left wing? I I suppose it's possible. I I don't really know if that's in the Oilers' plans. We'll see. I I I would think Slepyshev will get another shot there tomorrow. You know they want to work Kajula back in and and hope that he gets his game going because I think there's a better player there than what we've seen for most of the season. I, I do wonder what happens, though. If all... You, you you could have nine healthy defensemen, right? I mean, right now you got the six that played last night. Driver was scratched. Larson is is not out for a long time, and and Secker is coming back soon. Here's what McClellan said about Larson. He skated today. He skated when we were on the road. Things are improving, so uh, we're probably back to that day to day scenario. But uh, with his injury, um, he could wake up tomorrow, and it it could be. Uh, uh, back to where it was before, so we've got to get completely through it and, and make sure that he's fine. All right, so I just wonder if they have nine healthy defensemen, and if they don't make Ov to a forward, I, w- I would still think that's a longer shot. Would Griva be the one to go down? Could they waive Griva? I don't think he would get claimed because he has another year on his deal. Could he be the one who winds up going to the minors? Now, that is an if, depending on health of uh, of players as they move along, but I don't think they would carry nine healthy defensemen on their roster and then no forwards. But that's just a little bit of a what-if to think about here as we move through the month. Cam Talbot skated this morning. When's he going to play, Coach? Talbot is getting awfully close. Um, He won't be involved in tomorrow's game against Nashville. Uh, but there's a potential target date if everything goes well uh, further into the weekend. All right, so the weekend has a Saturday afternoon game against the Minnesota Wild on the road, and then they're back home to play the San Jose Sharks on Monday. So maybe one of those two games for a Talbot return. Brassois, as Kelly Rudy and I were talking about, playing better. Sure, you can critique some of the goals. That's that's what happens when you you start talking about a backup goaltender. But the bottom line is only five went in in the last three games. And even the game before that against Philadelphia, he, he allowed three still gave the Oilers a chance to hang around in the game. So exactly two goals per game if you average it out over the last four. I think from your backup, you have to you have to be happy with that. And the the weird stat from the weekend, he out he outplayed Carey Price and Sergei Bobrovsky. I, I don't know if he would do that every game, but he was able to do it in those individual games. So anyway, Talbot uh, getting close 
I think Brassois looking more comfortable. Hopefully he keeps going with that. Up front, we're finally seeing the Oilers with more forecheck, more energy, smarter play on the attack, as we saw for much of last season and in flashes earlier this season. They did it three games in a row. Hopefully they keep doing it it here long term. Connor McDavid, four points last night, shooting up to third in the scoring race, 39 points in 31 games. We know that McDavid was battling a couple of illnesses earlier in the season, and McClellan uh, asked about having a healthier, was asked about having a healthier McDavid now. Well, he goes back up to 20 minutes a night. There were nights where he was down to 15, 16, 17, so uh, he's on the ice more, and he's on the ice more because his energy level's up, and when your energy level's up, you can play hard both ways, offensively and defensively. You can win races that you normally win. Um, you can get more out of your shift later. Um, he's always had great lungs and great legs where he can play um, hard and fast, even 40 or 45 seconds into a shift where a lot of guys begin to fade and they're looking to get off. Um, so that all adds up to him having a, a better game. And, um, you know, it, it took a lot out of him. Uh, probably not enough made out of the the first illness the second one was just a common one that uh, everybody else had but uh, you combine the two and it takes a little while did you not think of sitting him for a few games and getting him healthy after that was an option well we 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 discussed it but um the horse wants to run so let him run well, there you go. The the player wants to play, and unless they're absolutely ruled out by a doctor, they're they're going to try to go. So McDavid playing well for the Oilers. Yessi Puljujarvi settling in as his right winger. Three goals, five points over the last five games, and McClellan liking what he sees from Puljujarvi. He's looking uh, more and more confident. He's playing a different game. I think that's visual to all of us, where he's using other tools uh, rather than just opening up for the shot. Prime example was his goal last night where he went uh, to the net, he stopped, he fought off a a big body more than once, uh, scored falling down. Um, You think about the goals he scored lately, uh, a lot of them have been within five or six feet of the net and um, he's figuring that out, that there's a a nice little reward if he gets into that area and and the puck gets there. So um, he's having fun doing it right now and we want him to maintain that level of confidence. Well, yeah, looking confident, looking quick. I actually didn't think Pugliarvi was that fat, was going to be that fast when the Oilers drafted him and he played a bit last season. And the, you know, the age-old thing about hockey, get to the net, score the goals in tight. Pugliarvi able to create goals that way and score them himself. Positive signs for the Oilers. They still got a long way to go. Seven points out of the playoffs with everybody to pass except for Arizona, but starting to look like a team that can hang in there for the long haul. How about Kyler Yamamoto? He'll be a future Edmonton Oiler, right now a Spokane Chief, and getting ready to represent the United States at the World Juniors. You'll hear from him when we get back. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Well, there's a classic track. Nick Kershaw? I guess. You had this one. Is that who we're looking at here, Nick Kershaw? I've never heard of this one. Really? Never. Oh, no. here, we go. here we go. Here it comes. Hey, I've taught you something tonight, Kellen. I'm going to go straight to iTunes and download this. Here we go. I'm happy. Here's what's going on in the NHL tonight. Senators lead the Rangers 2-1 after 2. 
Also after two, Dallas up 4-0 on the New York Islanders. Scoreless between the Bruins and Detroit. That's after the first period. And facing off in a little over an hour, Nashville at Vancouver. Predators here to face the Oilers tomorrow. Our coverage on 6.30, Ched, will commence at 5.30. Western Hockey League tonight. Oil Kings in Calgary. That game starts in about 15 minutes. And uh, Brandon Dubinsky from the Blue Jackets out six to eight weeks. Fractured orbital bone from being in that fight with Zach Cassian last night. Another quick note here. It looks like uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment is going to buy the Toronto Argos. Likely to be finalized in uh, January, so that's interesting. And more talk about likely in 2019, the CFL season moving up a month thereabouts. So you'd have the Grey Cup late October as opposed to late November. But this would be for 2019. So the 2018 Grey Cup in Edmonton still to be third or fourth weekend in November. And by the way, we had Alan Alan Watt from the Eskimos on the other night, and the schedules could be out pretty soon. Uh, Usually the CFL schedule comes out in February. We're going to see it much sooner than that. The World Junior Hockey Tournament coming up. The United States hosting... And this man, an Oilers draft pick, likely to be one of the top players for the U.S., pleased to welcome Kyler Yamamoto to the show. Kyler, how are you doing? I'm doing really good. Well, it's great to talk to you. Pretty exciting week coming up here. Uh, let people know what your next couple days are going to be like. Um, so I fly out tomorrow morning at 5.30 and then uh, to Columbus. And, you know, I think for, through the 15th through the 19th, I'll be uh, practicing with the team and um, I think they need to make some roster cuts, so hopefully I'll be able to get through there. And uh, after that, I'll be flying out. I think if I make the team around 22nd, 23rd, I'll be flying to Buffalo for World Juniors. Okay, so yeah, you're trying to make the uh, American World Junior team. I, I mean, it's it seems like you have a pretty good shot of of making the team. Have you thought about that, or how are you approaching the camp here? Um, you know, I think it's just day by day. Um, you know, every day I'm on the ice with them. You know, I want to showcase myself and prove that uh, I belong on the team. So, um, you know, I'm trying to take it day by day right now. All right. Uh, you obviously played for uh, the, the American team at the at the Shummers, Shummers Showcase. Um, do you hope that your performance there, you know, carries over here and, and uh, has you in good standing with the team? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I hope that my summer showcase, um, you know, hopefully I played good enough to where they like me enough where I can make the team. Who were you on a line with in the summer? Uh, I was on a line with Logan Brown and Casey Middlestat. Okay, what were those two guys like to play with? Um, they're un- unreal. Um, you know, they're really skilled. Um, you know, Logan Brown creates a lot of space. He's a bigger guy. He's around 6'6". Six, six. So he creates a lot of space for me and Middlestat. And Middlestat's um, really skilled and, you know, can find you anywhere on the ice. Kyler, I know you said you're taking it day by day, but but I got to ask you this question: What would it mean to you to make the American World Junior Team? It would mean a huge honor. Um, you know, anytime you can play for your um, country, um, it's a huge honor to me, and um, you know, I would really look forward to playing for them. Are you one of those guys who always made an effort to watch the tournament? Uh, I mean, it's it's always on during the the holidays after Christmas and into New Year's. What what are some of your memories of watching the World Junior? Yeah, um, you know, obviously I remember last year, um, you know, USA won it in a shootout, so that was really cool. And I think the other one was, uh, you know, Tyler Johnson was on the team, and um, I remember to win gold, uh, 
uh, Carlson on Capitals right now. He came down and went short side on. Um, I forgot the goalie, but scored and uh, they ended up winning it. Okay. Kyler Yamamoto, Oilers prospect, joining us on Inside Sports with the Spokane Chiefs after playing nine games for the Oilers earlier this season. H- have you thought about what it would be like to play that outdoor game in, in Buffalo, in, in, in the Buffalo Bills Stadium against Canada? Oh, that would be awesome. Um, you know, it's going to be cold, but, you know, lots of fans. And, you know, USA versus Canada, Buffalo is really close to Canada, so... It's going to be um, pretty crazy, and um, if I got to play in it, um, you know, it'd be um, unbelievable. All right, so you're with the Chiefs. You have 12 points in 13 games. How how do you think things are going with the Chiefs? How would you describe your play so far? Um, you know, I've gotten off to a you know a shaky start. Um, my first game, I did really good, and then you know I've gotten off to a shaky start. But I think in the last couple of games, I'm starting to um, pick it up. So um, it's been good. You know, the team's doing good. Um, I think we're sitting in third place right now in our division. Um, you know, we think we could be better, and you know, hopefully, um, after Christmas, we can really um, get things going. All right, you you played those nine games with the Oilers. What about that experience? Do you think has uh, helped you the most as you've gone back to the WHL? Um, you know, I think it. You know, it just made me grow up. Um, you know, as a person and as a player. You know, I feel a lot more mature coming back to the team, and um, you know, even my plays. Um, you know, you know, you got to make quick plays, and I think that's what um, the NHL taught me. How closely are you following the Oilers? Um, really close. You know, every every time they play, you know, I always check on their um, check on their games, so make sure they're winning. So, um, you know, I check on them a lot. H- have you stayed in touch with anybody from the team? Oh uh, yeah, a few guys. A few guys have texted me. Um, you know, I talked to like Tajar and um, Drake Kajula and Drysaddle a little bit. All right, so some of the younger guys keeping tabs on you. That's pretty cool. Uh, Kyler, it's always great to talk to you. Obviously, uh, Oilers fans are, are wishing you all the best, probably maybe more so with Spokane than with the United States. Is that fair? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you understand what that's all about. Yep. Kyler, thank you so much for your time. Always a pleasure to catch up with you, and uh, all the best here as you head off to camp and hope to see you in the World Juniors. Thank you so much. Right on, that is Kyler Yamamoto from the Spokane Chiefs checking in first-round draft pick of the Oilers in June. Played nine games, got three assists, went back to the WHL, and uh, I think he's being pretty modest. I I think he's a lock to make the American World Junior Team. Coming up to the 7 o'clock headlines, a lot more to come on the show. Northlands Coliseum going into its final weekend. We'll share some memories of that. We'll get an update on what's going on with the combat sports ban in the city of Edmonton. Eskimos kicker Sean White on the show as well. And uh, just just a little bit at the end of the show. Well, we won't say what it is. It's a surprise. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Thanks for tuning in. Back after the news. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.